You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, my fellow prospect fiends? Welcome back to another episode of The Call-Up, presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We were gone the last few weeks, but we are back with a, a fun, different episode for you guys tonight. Of course, joined by my co-host, Michael Richards, and Vinny, a.k.a. Down on the Farm. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. Like you said, we were off for a little bit, but glad to be back with you guys. Uh, we've been getting deep into draft season. I know you guys are doing drafts. Our boy Vinny was a little under the weather, but... We're back here ready to do this with prospects and we got another interesting topic here. And just for those of you who've been following us from the start, you know, once the season gets going, we'll be back on the grind doing our weekly stuff and you'll want to make sure you, you check us out for all that. Cause we're going to be dropping a lot of great names uh, early on in the season that you're going to want to grab. Vinny, how are you feeling, buddy? You feel back to normal and he's on mute. So I guess he's not fully back. No, nope, rookie mistake, I guess. You know, I'm feeling better. That was not fun at all. That whole last week was, let's just forget about it. We have spring training baseball now. Everyone's showing up. There's video. I am all ready for it. Yeah, it's exciting. We are about a month away from finally the, the games that are going to count. Obviously, it's going to be awesome to be able to watch just any baseball, even if it doesn't actually count, just to see some guys out there and uh, kind of get that baseball feel going again. Uh, and tonight we will be talking the World Baseball Classic. We'll be talking about some of these minor league guys that are going to be competing in the World Baseball Classic and what we can expect from them potentially for your fantasy teams going forward. So there are actually some names you might recognize and some you won't. Uh, before we get to that, Triple Play Fantasy is now a proud partner with Underdog Fantasy, and we are so pumped for you guys to uh, be able to experience all the great fun we've been doing with Underdog. So take a look. Yeah, so if you guys use code TRIPLE when checking out with Underdog for the first time, they will match your first deposit up to $100. That sounds pretty good to me. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free from Underdog. You guys can hop in there and do some fantasy baseball drafts right now. Uh, best ball drafts, we at Triple Play are doing them every single week on the YouTube channel. So if you want to get a sense of what those are like, you can kind of look there and then take it the rest of the way. But Underdog is an awesome sponsor of this podcast, and we are so happy to be 
a partner with Underdog Fantasy for this baseball season. But let's talk now. Let's dive in to this prospect pool of the World Baseball Classic, kicking things off with a very popular name who's recently faded into the distance after his name came up like on every podcast. And that's Matt Mervis of the Chicago Cubs. Looked like he was going to be penciled in to be the first baseman this year. But after some acquisitions, which included included Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini, his playing time to start the year is a little bit more questionable. Obviously, an incredible year last year across three levels, a 309 batting average, 36 home runs, 154 WRC plus here. And uh, Vinny, I believe uh, you're starting this one off here with Matt Mervis. What do you think we can expect from him in the WBC? And then what do you expect from him in the 2023 fantasy baseball season? Well, I'm going to start up with the ice. Uh, I told you so, because uh, back then, <laughs> a couple of videos ago, we were doing offseason ADP, and I said, hey, stay away from Matt Mervis. The Cubs love to block their prospects. Flash forward a couple months later, and they did it. But no, uh, Mervis in the World Baseball Classic is very interesting. I think uh, if if he really gets off to a hot start, you can kind of see him have like a similar uh, event like Tristan Casas did in the uh, the Olympics, like he's a big power hitting left, uh, left-handed first baseman. Uh, Team Israel is actually pretty strong. This is one of their strongest rosters. I think they've had in a, in a while. Uh, they're under management of Ian Kinsler. Like there's a bunch of names on there. big prospect team, but yeah, I think Matt Mervis could really succeed at this event and show the world that he's the real deal and maybe get rid of some of these guys in front of him in Chicago. But as a 2023 look, uh, like outlook, I think it's just a matter of time before they the Cubs move on from Eric Hosmer. He's not going to dethrone Max Muncy unless he has a really pitiful early half of the season. But yeah, I think around maybe early June, maybe early July, you could see Matt Mervis holding down first base in Chicago, and he'll probably. You'll probably see him end the year around maybe a 255, 260 average with probably 15, you know, 16 bombs. So I would, I'd be buying the second half for Matt Mervis. I wouldn't be drafting him now, but I would stash him on your, uh, I would stash him on uh, your roster around like May. Like whenever you see him get onto a hot streak early, if he gets onto a hot streak early in AAA, uh, you're going to want to start stashing him if he's not already stashed. You had me at Ian Kinsler is the Israel manager. That is actually really cool. Um, but no, if Matt Mervis, obviously we talked about earlier on that the helium might be a little bit too high on him. Uh, now, Vinny, I, I want to ask you this. Since his name's kind of faded away some, do you feel like this is a great time in Dynasty to try to trade for him, considering that maybe people uh, earlier on might have pushed him up so high because of all the hype around him, and now that things have kind of quieted down a little bit, that you might be able to get him for a little cheaper than you did a couple months ago? I don't know how much cheaper you could get him. He's kind of uh, he's kind of like this year's Vinny Pasquantino. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still a lot of hype around him, even knowing he's blocked in Chicago. Like, I wouldn't, I would not, uh, I would not, not try to go get him. Like, if the manager's you know, wants to get rid of him and you can get a decent price from, I would go get him because I believe the second half of the year he could really have a breakout. But yeah, like he's one of those guys that could make or break a team of the second half this year. And I would, I would go try and get him. All right. That's Matt Mervis of the Chicago Cubs playing for team Israel playing for team Canada is someone else that actually I got to see up close in person 
down at the uh, Arizona Fall League, and that's Edward Julian of the Minnesota Twins. Double A last year, 17 home runs, a 300 batting average, 19 steals to go along with it. Literally was hitting opposite field home runs in the home run derby. I don't think I've ever seen somebody do that in terms of all their home runs. And he's got as much of a batter's eye as I think anybody in the minor leagues right now. He takes walks like nobody's business right now, um, as you can see with the 441 OBP. And I took him recently in the 38th round, 569th pick of a 50-round DC I was in. Now, I was going to ask Mike if he thought that that was pretty good value for him because I'm trying to figure out, is he going to be someone that impacts the Minnesota Twins this season? Or is he going to be somebody that you're looking for more of a 2024 type of impact here? Yeah, uh, that's a great way to start it off. I actually do like your pick there. I think you're deep enough into a draft right there where he is close. His proximity is clear. He's got the ability to play multiple positions also. So, and like you said, you, I mean, you mentioned a lot of good things. He's listed as a below average hit tool. And I just, I mean, I think we could all say that that's incorrect. I think he's got a much better hit tool than that. He does have above average raw power. I don't think speed's going to be a big part of his game. I mean, he showed that he can chip it in, but you know, I think he'll be more like an eight to 10 type steals guy. If he's in a full-time job in the majors down the road, but I really do like him overall. You know, he's got a nice statistical profile and he's been productive at each level. You know, as we've said before, you know, at, in, at A ball, high A and double A, he's had a WRC plus of 144 or higher. He's always had a really high, like a absurdly high walk rate. I mean, this is a great play for OBP leagues too. But mm. like you said, the opposite field approach in the, in the home run derby, it just shows he's got a hit tool. I think he's going to be a regular for the twins down the line. And, you know, you know, he's definitely a target for me in Dynasty and in, in leagues like you just did right there with that, you know, almost nearly pick 600 where your your team's already built and everything. I'm a big fan of him. And like I said, OBP leagues, he gets an even bigger bump. I actually drafted him myself in a first year player draft slash free agent type of draft Dynasty League. So I'm in on him and uh, he's probably going to start the year in AAA because he hasn't gotten up there yet. But uh if you play in leagues like the ones I'm suggesting, I think you should make it a priority to target him. Just don't expect him to be like a, a huge speed guy or a huge power guy. Yeah. And I've obviously, since I'm being a, a twins fan, I've just being plugged in, just reading a lot of different articles from beat writers and everything like that. They do think that uh, he eventually will become the twins lead off hitter. Uh, now will it be this year? Will it be next year? Depending on what, you know, how he does in triple a, but they do expect him to be hitting at the top of the lineup to get a lot of plate appearances, accumulate a lot of counting stats, and that could be very valuable, someone that you're plugging in at the, the one spot uh, for a team that expects to push for the playoffs this year. So Edward Julian definitely is a nice late-round pick and redraft leagues, obviously, in Dynasty. Uh, Mike did a great job of outlining what type of player you're getting with him going forward. This next player is maybe one you haven't heard of as much, and Zach Giloff, or Giloff, I'm going to assume the second Geloff. Right. Geloff, uh playing also for team Israel between double A and triple A last year. He had a 270 batting average, 352 OBP, 463 slug, 18 home runs, 10 steals, while also chipping a 12 and a half uh, percent walk rate at the plate. And he plays for Oakland. So you already know there's optimal chances for playing time uh, because they don't have a lot of major league talent there, Vinny. Um, I love his hat. I know um, I have the sweatshirt of that hat talk to us about what we can expect from Zach this season well 
out of all of Oakland's prospects, I think Zach Goloff's like the best one. Like if we're talking uh, ceiling to floor, Galoff is more than likely we're going to see at some point at, if not break camp this year as a second or third baseman, he just brings a different kind of uh, just a, a different kind of thump to a lineup. Cause he's not really contact, but he's like more power, but he's really blended. Like there's nothing he doesn't do bad. He's very solid across the board. He has, he's good at, uh, defensively. He has a very good arm. He's a sneaky good runner. So I would watch out if uh, he could end this year with 15, 20 bags. Like they don't really, the, the athletics really don't push like stealing bases in their minor league affiliates, which I don't understand why they have a couple speedsters down there. But yeah, Galoff could easily, similar to Mervis, they could be like the two uh, power bats on this Team Israel uh, lineup with Jock Peterson and others. And especially Dynasty, I think he might have a little bit of prospect fatigue because there's really not that much buzz around you know, the Oakland organization. I would try and go and get him. You probably could get him on the cheap. He is a solid everyday plug-and-play player. But like Galoff, it would not shock me next year if we see him and uh, Jordan Diaz as their second, third base combination. And I think Galoff would be a solid major leaguer next year, or this year even. And, you know, probably puts up, you know, 260 average, probably 15, 20 bombs. Like, he's very solid. I, I like him a lot. I wish I was talking to you before my draft concluded right now because he would have been someone I was looking to target. Uh, sounds like he'd get some ample playing time for Oakland this year. And, um, yeah, it seems like maybe people are sleeping on him because, like you said, the prospect fatigue, but there will be chances for him to contribute this year, and we can watch him on display at the WBC for Team Israel. This next player, you've heard many have heard of him, and that's Bo Naylor, brother of Josh Naylor of the same Cleveland Guardians. Split time between AA and AAA last year, contributed 21 bombs, a 23% strikeout rate, had 20 steals from the catcher position, which is not very common. And he's somebody that could have a big, I want to say have a chance to contribute big for the guardians this year. I have read some things. They said they could move him from catcher at some point uh, just because I think they like his bat and they want to move him around, but he's playing for Canada this year. The guardians are the favorites to win the American league central. And if they have an impact bat, like bone Naylor doing well in triple a, I can't see why he can't be a big part of what the Cleveland guardians do this year, Mike. Yeah, you said a lot of great things there. You know, I've I've said on the show I like Bo Naylor, you know, and and you said it because of that ability to steal bases. And he made a big improvement last year. Like he was a big prospect a few years ago. He really struggled in 2021. His stock took a big hit. And he came back ne the next year, last year, and he tore it up in the, the upper levels at both both spots. He even, you know. I mean, basically, I've said this before, but, you know, the catchers, catchers are rare. Catchers who can actually hit a little bit and steal bases are rare. You know, someone like Dalton Varsho and, you know, JT Real Muto, these guys are going high in drafts for a reason. And I'm not saying that Naylor necessarily gets to that level, but that's the type of profile that I like going after mm -hmm. in a catcher, especially when he's cheap. You know, Naylor, I know right now is going around pick 370 you know, the 24th catcher off the board. And I've done a couple drafts and, you know, it's not ideal to take him in redraft, in my opinion, at this point, because 
I don't think he's, he's got the guaranteed playing time coming out the gate. Mm-hmm. But once he becomes the primary catcher, I think everyone is going to want him in as their number two catcher, similar to how mm-hmm. uh, Melendez was last year. Love with, that. But, but, but with more speed. So it's like long term, you really want, you just got to get time it right, get this guy on your team at the right time. But uh, it's a really interesting profile. And I do think his upside is that of a top 10 catcher for fantasy who people are drafting in the top eight rounds of redraft leagues down the road. So uh, I'm a big fan of Bo Naylor and I'm excited to see him get a shot this year. Now, Mike, I know you hate when I ask you this question, um, but do you think with a strong WBC and uh, really strong overall camp, he could start year, the year with the major league club? Because right now Mike Zunino is penciled in to be the starting catcher on a one-year deal, uh, but they don't really have, I mean, they also have Brian Lavastida, but it seems like there's a very open spot to have as a, uh, if they carry a second catcher, he could, I mean, could it, there, could it be him with a strong camp you think, or no chance? Normally in, on different teams, I would say there's a chance, especially if he just crushes in spring training. I know the guardians like him, but you mentioned his, his defense isn't top of the line and that's what Zunino is known for. I mean, he hits home yeah. runs and he's really great on defense. And I know that Cleveland has historically played a lot of defense first catchers. So they, so there's a real chance that he does move off the position or they handle him like uh, Dalton Varsho is handled now down the road. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, I'm just all in on, on this guy. I just don't think, I don't think it's, th- it's this year until they, th- until they turn it over. And then that's when you got to get on him. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Bo Naylor, you got me really excited for Bo Naylor as, as a potential second catcher. Uh, and like you said, MJ Melendez kind of comparison, I think fits well for him. So excited for what he's going to do this season for the guardians. And I will tell you this next guy, Vinny, you, you had the South Freelick fever the free look fever, as we'll just say, and you gave it to me because I'm trying to draft him in a ton of places because I feel like he's kind of going under the radar, but his skills seem like they're going to translate really well into the major leagues. He's actually, I'm going to be talking about him as a sleeper on tomorrow's show. And I owe it all to you, my friend, because you brought him first on my radar. So for the people that are just hearing about his name for the first time or aren't sure what he's going to do this season, please educate the people. Yeah, Sal Freelick. He's probably one of the most complete minor leaguers in all of baseball. Like he pretty much can do it all. He can hit for power. He can hit for contact. He can steal bases. He can play a a borderline gold glove outfield. Like there's really not much he cannot do. Like I've said before, everyone knocks him for his size. We need to stop knocking people for their size. We've seen people, you know, below 5'10 succeed at the major league level. Look at Dustin Bedroya. Look at Jacoby Ellsbury. Like I can keep on naming guys, but Freelick, he could he could lead Team Italy as uh, their best hitter this year. It would not shock me at all. Just uh, his bat is going to play momentum's momentum's on that team. Him and Vinny Pasquantino are going to be a wrecking crew. Uh, if we're talking twenty twenty three outlook, I've said it before. Uh, he is my dark horse sleeper pick for NL Rookie of the Year. He's Ooh. very similar to last year's Stephen Kwan. He might have more power than Stephen Kwan. Like you put those two together and you're looking at a recipe for success. And the Brewers, the Brewers outfield is still up in the air, toss up. We don't know if Garrett Mitchell's going to be, uh, you know, starting in, at a spot there. We don't know Jesse Winker. The only one we can really pencil in is Christian Yelich. They got rid of Asturi Ruiz. So they made room for him. Like the, 
the signs are pointing towards Freelich to either break camp or I get a very early start with the Brewers. What if I told you Sal Freelich's NL Rookie of the Year odds are plus 2,500? Uh, hammer it. Oh. That's, that's outrageous. Like If you look at his production at everywhere he's been, he has produced moment, just outrageous numbers. So just to tell you, well, you know, we're going to be doing a whole episode for a little teaser based on just putting in our bets for rookie stuff for uh, next week or in two weeks. So he goes uh, 2,500. Cade Cavalli is plus 2,500 and Spencer Steer is plus 2,000. So they have Spencer Steer as better odds than Sal Freelich. I don't know if that's, that's because he's starting in the majors. That's why. But Freelich's a better player. I I agree with what Vinny's saying. He's, he's, Basically, Stephen, a, a better, potentially a better Stephen Kwan. There are some juicy odds. We will have a lot of fun, I think, talking yeah. about this next week. I, I can't wait for that. Um, next player. Top, oh, oh, go ahead, Vinny. And on top of World Baseball Classic, like teams, like Mexico is my certified dark horse for this event, but Italy's right behind them. They have a pretty sneaky, sneaky, solid lineup. Their pitching's a little weak, but that lineup is going to cause some problems. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. This next player for Mike Seattle Mariners, Henry uh, Harry Ford, 20 years of age, played low A last year, 11 home runs, a 274 batting average, 23 steals. He's playing for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, not expecting him to really have an impact at the major league level this year, Mike, but what can we expect from him going forward here? Yeah, I just got done talking about uh, Bo Naylor, last uh, player, and this is kind of the similar younger more upside version of that, you know, another rare catcher who I think is capable of moving off the position, similar type of things. Like they're not sure if he's going to stick there defensively, but he's probably good enough to make it work. Could be a multi-position catcher down the road with power and speed. I really like what I see with this guy. The only thing going against him is just, he hasn't got above low A at this point, but as far as like catchers in the minor leagues, I don't see anyone else even in his vicinity other than Bo Naylor. And, you know, so it's, I'm just seeing in a year or two, this is going to be the guy that everyone wants to get on their teams. I think the Mariners are really good at developing prospects as well. So, you know, this, this is a guy that I just trust in. I think his value is going to stick in dynasty and some people are hesitant on catchers. And I understand that, you know, they have a lot of stuff they got to go through, but Harry Ford just has an exciting skill set. He hits the ball really hard. He's really athletic. He's really fast. And he's been productive so far as a pro, like really productive. And he's been young at the levels too. So uh, this is just a guy I'm super excited about for the future. And I think he's for lists that uh, value catchers. I think he's just going to be as high up there as you can possibly be down the road. All right. That's Harry Ford of the Seattle Mariners. Our next player here, Owen Casey of the Chicago Cubs playing for team Canada. High A last year, a 254, 349, 402 slash 11 homers, 58 RBIs, had uh, 11 stolen bases to go with that here, Vinny. Another Chicago Cubs player. We talked about Matt Mervis earlier. This one's not as well known. So talk to us about Owen Casey here. Yeah, Casey did not receive the uh, non-roster invite this year for the Cubs. So going to this World Baseball Classic event, I think, is very beneficial for him, just developmental-wise. Like He can pick the brains of some of the vets on that team. But if we're talking about exciting bats, like Owen Casey brings a different kind of power to the line, like a lineup. Like he has, I would say, double-digit power. It doesn't show 
on like his stats wise, but if you look at the EVs he was putting up last year at South Bend, they were unreal. Like he had highlight real home runs. Uh, he's very sneaky, another sneaky runner. I think he could easily put up 20 steals at the, you know, the major league level if you give him a full season. Uh, it's the contact, just the bat in general. Uh, he doesn't, the contact's the biggest question mark. I don't know if he'll ever bat above a 260. Like he has a lot to work on still and probably will make big adjustments this year at double A Tennessee for the Cubs. But world baseball classic wise, he's probably going to hold down right field with either uh, Tyler O'Neill or Denzel Clark. Or if they shift uh, the guy Mike was just talking about, Bo Naylor might play a little right field too. Like he's going to get playing time and it's very good for his development. And I'm a big fan of that. If we're talking about uh, uh, just fantasy outlook, um, I wouldn't make too much of an effort to go get him. Like if he's on your, your wire dynasty only, I would not take him and redraft or anything else like that. But if he's sitting out there in dynasty, it's, it's not, it's not a bad idea to pick him up and sit on just for a couple, you know, for the season to see if he sparks to his 2021 uh, Arizona complex league self. Cause he was crazy there, but there's, there's a decent amount of upside there. If he does, you know, put it all together this year. Looking forward to seeing that and him develop, you know, going, I'm sure, starting in double A next season. This next player, if you follow baseball in any way, I'm sure you've heard of him now, Masataka Yoshida, who is one of the more, I'd say, exciting players in terms of what we're looking for at the major league level next season for the Boston Red Sox coming over from Japan and playing for Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Last year, when playing in Japan, a 335 batting average, 21 homers, 88 RBIs, struck out in only 8.1% of his plate appearances with a 15.7% walk rate. He is 29 years of age, so he's not a young gun by any means here. But we talked about there's dark horses for rookie of the year. I've seen some people talk him up some. He's also, you could argue, say he's his Boston's biggest acquisition in terms of uh, in terms of a batter this year because. They re-signed Devers, but they didn't really bring much help in Boston this year. So I'm excited to see what he does at the major league level and obviously at the WBC here, Mike. What are your expectations for him coming over from Japan? Yeah, Yoshida is an interesting one. You know, we I, he kind of first came on my radar when we were doing the first year player draft stuff. And then, you know, then I started digging into redraft stuff and, you know, started seeing projections and looking at his career in Japan. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like here. If what I'm seeing on paper is actually real, you know, it's hard to say if it can translate immediately, you know, but if it does, you know, I like to draft off of projections. It served me very well last year and looking at these projections, he's, he's going a lot later than he should in these drafts. And, and I think it's just because of the unknown. And I find myself just being drawn to him. You know, I've done three or four drafts leading up to my big ones right now. And he always seems to fall in that like around two pick 200, you know, and pick 180 to 220. There just aren't a lot of outfielders available projected. I mean, this guy's projected to have a, a 300 average by some projection systems, which is crazy. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but even if you lower it down a little bit, he's still a value where he's going, you know, a 138 WRC plus he's projected to hit lead off and he, he's got that really good contact rate. I think, he, you know, I don't think he has huge power or anything, but I, I mean, he profiles to me similarly to like a higher upside, like Alex Verdugo. And I just know that that has value in leagues that value batting average. So overall I'm in on him. 
I think he might even be gaining more helium and start rising at boards. And that's when it would start to be a little suspicious because there is the unknown of this, but this isn't some 21 year old. This is a guy with a proven track record who, who is productive year after year, after year, after year, who's in his prime right now. And the Red Sox gave him that money, you know, and they're giving him the leadoff job and looking at his profile, he fits as a leadoff hitter. That's going to be valuable for fantasy. So I'm in. Now is he's projected to hit lead off for them already? Is that what they said? Yeah, that's what roster resources said, and that's what I've heard from the manager or the GM, one of the two. Okay, well, I I'm definitely intrigued with him, and it was kind of a little sneak preview with him at the World Baseball Classic. So, looking forward to seeing what Yoshida does this season. Really quick, Mike, do you think would you be shocked if he won AL Rookie of the Year? Considering it's like Gunnar Henderson, considering all of the other great players in the American league, Grayson Rodriguez of the same team, obviously would, would you be shocked if he won? Not at all. I mean, it, you know, I know a lot of people are skeptical that it can translate. We saw Ichiro do it. I'm not saying this is Ichiro, but this guy's 29 years old. These other players you're talking about, he's going up against are 22, 23. They don't have a track record. You know, they might have a sophomore slump and you know, I know I'm saying a lot of big things about this guy, but just his situation being, being prime age, ready to go leadoff spot. He's going to get the playing time. I mean, he's up in the mix for me with the top options for AL rookie of the year. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for him and uh, it'll be fun to watch starting next. I think it starts next week, right? Or start. No, it starts on Friday. Doesn't it? This Friday. I think the world baseball classic even better. Don't have to wait too long when this comes out on Wednesday morning. You guys only have to wait two more days for baseball. It's very exciting. Next player, Jose Ramos of the Los Angeles Donners playing for Panama in the World Baseball Classic. Put time between high A and A last year. 25 homers, 97 RBIs. 31% strikeout rate definitely pops out at you, but I'm sure the raw tools are there for him, Vinny. What do you think we can expect from Jose Ramos in terms of 2023 and then just his future outlook with the Dodgers? Yeah, Ramos, another one of those very impactful power hitters. Uh, if you may have already seen him uh, with Panama, he just had a, a crazy home run for them to, quali- to uh, leading them to qualify. This the power is legit with this kid. Like he's still growing. Uh, he played this year at both low and high A. High A, the pitchers they they got him contacts is going to be a problem with him more than likely it's there's a hitch in his swing that's easily beatable by an an inside fastball they'll probably work on that this year plus he's playing for the world baseball classic with panama which there's some good vets there that will definitely help him you know fundamentally and probably uh for this year going into it probably starts the year in double a but yeah Ramos, similar like Owen Casey, similar like a couple of the other guys that we talked about tonight. Like he could potentially have a very impactful outcome on the World Baseball Classic. Like the the power that he possesses is crazy. I would say it's probably around fifty five, maybe sixty power. Like when he gets to a ball, it just it does not come back. It's he's very lofty swing, gets under the ball and just drives it. If we're talking outcomes this year. I don't know if I would – I'm not taking him in redrafts. It would be a strictly dynasty, and he's one of those prospects that now is getting prospect fatigue. He was bigger last year. But I, if he's on your waiver wire, that's another guy I'm going to stash and wait on because if he gets hot, 
similar to like Andy Pejas, sim, uh, almost a similar type of bat in the system, but less contact. Like if he gets hot at double A, like he's going to start, the price is going to go through the roof for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, just his development and what he does. And like you said, if you can get him now before the price really goes up, that's a, uh, that's why it's really good when you bring these names up on this show to where we can kind of get a first look at some of these guys before they, they potentially blossom in a sense here. Uh, and the last guy we'll talk about tonight on the show, Jordan Diaz of the Oakland Athletics, another second base slash third baseman for them. Put time between AA and AAA last year. Mike, 19 homers, 83 RBIs, 123 WRC plus playing for, playing for Columbia. Close out the night. Tell us about Jordan Diaz. Yeah, Jordan Diaz is interesting. You know, he kind of slips under the radar, I think, for several reasons. He plays for Oakland, so people are just kind of fading Oakland players. He doesn't have speed, but if you if you put those two things aside, he was a 22-year-old who made it up to AA and AAA last year. You know, when you put him on lists, like I've talked about that before, filtering players by age and level, he's on there with some notable names, you know, and this is a guy with a hit tool. You know, he had a he had a 12% strikeout rate in AAA as a 22-year-old last year. You know, he hasn't got into a ton of power. You know, he hit, like you said, he hit 19 last year. I don't think power is going to be a huge part of his game. I think you're probably going to be looking at 15, maybe 20 if he gets into it. But he's a guy capable of playing second and third, like Vinny said. I don't think he's a huge defense guy, but Oakland has openings all over their team. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of their best prospects uh, behind Geloff, actually. And... I do think he's going to be a starter for them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a comp. It, it's like a, I don't know, like a Ty France type of player, I guess. Uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's, that has value. He's, he's one of those players where I look at his projections and I think they're mispricing how much he's going to play for Oakland this year. So if you're in drafts late in DCs and other drafts where this sort of stuff matters, I'm, I'm in on Jordan Diaz. I think he's a solid player that's undervalued even amongst prospect people right now. Do you guys expect more this season from Jordan Diaz or Zach Geloff? I'd say Galoff. And to add on to the comps for uh, Diaz, he's kind of similar to an early uh, Yimer Candelario. Mm, like I see a lot of similarities. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities between them two, just contact and power wise. Plus they're not defensively sound. I think, Diaz could potentially move to first base. Like I know they've been talking about working him at first base. Like if that happens, he could have three position eligibility. So that's something to watch out for him too. I love it. Well, great job guys breaking down the players that are going to be playing in the WBC. These prospects that are expected to make debuts this season and some that are a little bit farther away, but talent will be on display and it's going to be absolutely fun to watch these young, talented players getting into some baseball games here. If you guys are enjoying the prospect talk here on the call, please make sure you guys are subscribed to the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel as we make a push for 3,000 subscribers. We are currently about 150 subs away. So uh, if you guys want to enjoy the content and, and want to help us out, please sub. Please leave a comment on just how awesome the research these two have been doing, getting these guys prepped for every single show. And uh, make sure you guys check out Vinny. You, uh, your Discord is in your bio, correct? Make sure you guys yep. check out Vinny's Discord at Down on the Farm 8. Make sure you guys are checking out, Mike, are you pumping out some Fantrax articles soon or what's coming down the pipe for you here? 
Unsure. Right now, I'm in full blown draft mode, getting ready for TGFBI starting this week, and then get prepping for main event. But but I'll figure out my plans after draft season's over. All right. Make sure you stay close. Follow these guys both on Twitter here, and check out more prospect talk here on the call up. We've got a couple more off season shows, and then about a month away from actual games to where we'll start doing our weekly shows going forward. Thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll catch you guys next week on the call.